If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl, but by all means, keep moving. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Melanation Healing Project podcast in collaboration with Toledo Moms for Social Justice and Black Radical Scholars. I am Deja Banks, your moderator for season two. Today's episode is titled Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome or Cultural Trauma. I am so honored to introduce our host, starting with Alicia Sutton. Thank you for being here, Alicia. Good morning and thank you. Dyshell Parker, thank you for being here, Dyshell. Good morning, ladies. And we are so excited to introduce our founder of the Melanation Healing Project and published author, Ms. Tejia Awa. Thank you for being here, Tay. Thank you, Ms. Deja, for that beautiful introduction. Of course, I'm happy to be here. So, Tay, I have a few questions to ask you and our host in regards to post-traumatic slave syndrome, our cultural trauma. In Dr. Joy DeGroy's book titled Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing, she states that post-traumatic slave syndrome is a condition that exists when a population has experienced multi-generational trauma resulting from centuries of slavery and continues to experience oppression and institutionalized racism today. With that being said, can you explain what this condition of those who are hearing this term for the first time and do you agree or disagree with this statement slash belief? Okay, that's a really good question, Deja. And I wanna start off with uh, prefacing the fact that I am not like this social justice guru or you know someone who's been in the game for as long as you know someone like um i'm just gonna put you out there alicia it's it's been people like dr joy degroy and then people in my local community um who have helped me gain a better understanding of what our cultural trauma looks like so with that being said when dr joy degroy explains the condition of post-traumatic slave syndrome, what she is talking about is what you, what you see on a general scale in the African-American community that shows up in our general lives. And it is our cultural trauma. It is specific to the African-American um, and the uh, African diaspora. You know, people, um, who are of African descent, who, who come from ancestry that have endured um, cattle slavery. And so I'm trying to be very careful with my words because it is, uh, uh, the, the term post-traumatic slave syndrome is specific to us. It is not just any type of uh, slavery as a person would talk about indentured servantry, but it is a specific type of slavery that our ancestors endured, which is chattel slavery, which diminished the African um, American to no more than uh, an object, to mm. say the least, okay? And so some of the things that up patterns and behaviors that Dr. Joy DeGroy spends significant time on uh, expressing and explaining that you can see in some of our um, actions and behaviors and communities and things like that is things like vacant esteem, marked propensity for anger and violence, 
racist socialization and internalized racism. Um, and those are just to name a few. And of course, we can elaborate that um, on that in a later uh, at a later time. And the reason why, I mean, there's a lot of books out there that you that we can dive into that helps us understand our specific type of cultural trauma. But the reason why I have a great appreciation for Dr. Joy DeGroy's material is because I feel like I relate to it the most. I've never, uh, uh, so far, the readings and the things that I've been studying, it, she seems to hit it right on the, um, uh, right on the nail uh, in regards to the way we show up in this world a lot of times. Um, sometimes, in my opinion, I think when it comes to African-American people, I don't care what socioeconomic background you come from. I don't care how far removed you are from slavery. You see the residue in various ways, um, the, the way we raise our families, the way we show up um, uh, when it comes to our professions, our interactions, our, uh, our conversations, um, our, our perspectives and viewpoints on certain things. You see that. And so she masterfully laid that out in the book, um, which is why I'm such a, uh, a fan and a supporter of this. She, this is not an endorsement. This is not something that I, I don't even know the woman, but I would love to get to know her one day and just to sit out and have an honest conversation because her material is one of the material, uh, pieces of uh, material and bodies of work that has helped me with my healing journey. That's why I'm such a, um, uh, a cheerleader of it. So your next question uh, to answer that question is, do I d agree or disagree with the statement and the theory? I 150% agree with her explanation of the condition of our specific cultural trauma. Yes. So do you think the PTSS contributes to the stereotype of the angry Black woman? This, you know, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> You know, I mean, people can, uh, I'm sure there's someone who's going to object to, uh, to her work. And some people may, uh, when they read um, her material, they may think that 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 is what she's doing. But I'll be honest with you, it is hard to uh, try to explain a condition um, or explain and understand the way a, certain, a, a body of people show up and how they are trending when it comes to certain things such as health disparities without being general, but not meaning to be general. From my perspective, because I understand she's not talking about every single black person, she comes from, she comes from the standpoint of looking at the data. The data, the data tells you the, uh, the story of what we go through and what, we, what we're dealing with. And yeah. on a general scale, how we are showing up. So this may be, this may, it may not be uh, how every single uh, African-American individual is showing up, but because of the data and because of the research, the years of research, it's safe to, 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 to generalize certain things is what I will say. I don't know. What, what do you think, Alicia or Shelly? I'm going to let Shelly go first. <laughs> how kind. Um, I honestly, I think it, um, it actually kind of, uh, rids the stereotype for me. I think, um, especially with that amazing explanation of the PTSS that you explained, um, Tay, I believe that when you think about it in that way, um, how can you call someone an angry black woman? You know, so if, if anything, for me, it destroys that stereotype. 
understanding and having, um, you know, awareness of, of what, what it really means to be multi-generationally traumatized. So that's my, my thoughts. What do you guys think? What do you think, Alicia? Thinking long and hard about this and how, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome, it impacts all of us because it impacts how people who aren't descendants of um, enslaved Africans view us and treat us. So when I think about like the angry black woman stereotype, people don't expect us to have emotions. Um, we are like as, as black women, as a, a descendant of enslaved Africans, you know, our ancestors were experimented on you weren't allowed to have feelings. I remember reading reports about the, I can't even, his name is not coming, but they named him like the father of obstetrics, but he was like performing some pretty brutal, you know, experiments on women. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, they didn't complain. And it was like, well, could they? Like, did you give them an op? They didn't have an option. They weren't even viewed as like full human. They were viewed as property. So you could do whatever the property, property is not going to like, what rights did they have then? And so, you know, you have doctors and uh, like sociologists and all these people coming up with stuff based on nothing but their assumptions. And so that just gets passed down. Like some of that stuff is passed down as, as like, evidence-based practice or um like well they're the experts on this so it must be true and it's like but it's not it's based on what they thought of people at the well what we consider people what they thought as property um at that time and so if you just think about well you know they were just black women they're supposed to be docile you're supposed to just be able to say and do whatever and so when we finally do speak up and we want to have a voice oh no we can't have that you got to go back in your place. I actually had a friend who was um, student teaching and one of a, a student um, made an evaluation telling her that she needed to stay in her place. So things like that is like, it's, wow. it's kind of, yeah, it's all like connected. So while we are most impacted by like everybody's impacted by it because it does impact the way that like people treat us and interact with us. Um, and so that stereotypes get perpetuated over time is by the media. If you look at, you know, oh, we're going to, we're going to display these types of black, like in shows, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're, you know, head swinging. Even when you have like characters portray black women, it's like the finger, finger moving, neck snapping, gum popping, like ghetto. attitude, ghetto. And I'm like, I don't know black women like that so like where, where is this coming from it's just perpetuated over time um and I know a lot of women are doing the work to try to rid of that stereotype but it's like nobody it's like few people wanted to go away because it's like well see you're angry because you spoke up and it's like no I'm I have an emotion and I want to express that respect it so like baseline respect where is it and if we can have that I definitely think like that stereotype can start to go away, but right now, nobody. And can I add to that, if I may, because there's something that you said that stuck out when you said people have that perception of us and they treat us, you know, as if we're still that, you know, property with no feelings and no emotions. But, and this is the reason why I um, 
it's very important for me, Melan, uh, the work that we do for Melanation is recognizing the history behind the stereotypes, but then recognizing how we have inflicted it upon one another. True, true, true. Hurting people hurt people. We perpetuate um, uh, you know, and replicate what's been done to us. And, and it's so subconscious, it's so deeply embedded in our subconscious that just the way, the same way it took generations for us to embed a lot of the things that you see like bacon esteem and um, uh, self-hate and things like that. It, it may take generations to reverse that into something more of a healing effect and to, you know, and to see one another higher and more yeah. than just an object and, you know, and things like that. And so, um, Although not very many people are doing it, I have to agree. I would love, I would like to say that Melanation is trying and um, we're, we're starting to um, do the work because we do recognize that that's an issue. Um, and this is one thing that I'm realizing I can't, and I've, I've said this in season one, I'm going to say it again because I believe it. I can't wait on systems and society to change um, in order for me to change and be better. Certain systems and things may continue that perception, the media, but um, I have a deep desire to, um, to start something new. And hopefully it catches a, a, a flame big enough where we all, all, all women, more women um, uh, see themselves and the role that, that they play in perpetuating systems and perpetuating unhealthy beliefs. Um, because I can't help Alicia and uh, Deja, I can't help but to fall back and look back at myself when I see you know, the stereotypes that are placed upon us because I have been the victim and I have been the perpetrator. I, rec I recognize um, uh, there were times when I, you know, I, I was that docile, you know, um, sweet, you know, uh, uh, I tried to mimic whatever the, the, the society told me was what, what a woman is supposed to look like, mm, very true. you know? And so I spent my life playing that part and I'm quite sure I would probably judge either, you know, uh, overtly or, or, or not, um, I probably projected my beliefs onto other black women because they didn't fit the standard that I thought I was striving for, you know, mm -hmm. as, as a woman, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. we, were, we were taught not to embrace our heritage and our culture. Well, I think one of the biggest reasons is because we weren't properly taught it, you know, mm -hmm. like we're yeah. taught to, we're taught to, eliminate our heritage and be more so be more so national thinking you know who we are as a nation who we are as an American not an African-American so I had you know I, I had those beliefs but so you can't especially when you start the, the your your own personal healing journey you can't help but to see yourself you know so I know I can do better by my sisters and my brothers and my community by recognizing the kind what I've perpetuated as a black woman. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's very true. I was, while you were talking, Tay, I was just thinking like, it, it, I mean, it does start with us 
but you know you have to be at a place where you can acknowledge like oh I, I was perpetuating that or or I was behaving in that manner I wasn't kind to other people or compassionate to other people like yeah I was perpetuating that stereotype and acknowledging that and it's like okay so what what work can be done to actually start to change that it does start with self and also community but you know I can't remember the Kwanzaa and I got my computer right here the one Kwanzaa <laughs> prince but it's self-determination yeah um so it does talk about like your um you know your role and how you show up in society um and so the, those are like really important things I think to to consider when we're talking about healing and we're talking about just stereotypes in general because I think like for and people are starting to like move away from using terms like marginalized and underrepresented but um you know they call I think it's like historically excluded now so Mm -hmm. you know you have these stereotypes and it's so easy for people to kind of point out these stereotypes and it's like but what when when were these groups allowed to really stand up for themselves without being put down it was either conform or we don't want to hear from you Mm -hmm. very true yes that's so true alicia um so tay you are a published author of the powerful book titled power influence prayer and fasting positions of access understanding positions of access through the life of queen esther and the righteousness of mordecai in your book you speak on those who use their positions of power and influence to abuse and block resources for those in need would you say that this horrific abuse of power in the form of slavery contribute to ptss well, yeah, of course. And to be clear, let me just put it out there. Um, yes, my uh, my book was published and then I had to take it down um, for various reasons. And so I will be re-uploading it and you will eventually be able to um, purchase it again um, through Amazon um, and other various platforms. But to answer your question, absolutely. Because honestly, when, when what we're talking about here is, is power. And we use, we've always used certain constructs that we as man put together in order to maintain power, influence, and resources. Yes. You know? um, and so what I was trying to do is to use um, my religious background. Um, I'm no longer I, don't, I no longer see myself as religious, but I am deeply, deeply spiritual and connected to my, my faith um, and the God of my understanding. Um, and I use stories and it's not just stories from the Bible anymore. It is now stories from all over the, the place to gain, to help give me inspiration and to help me understand myself in this world that I live in better. And so that is why I chose the story of Queen Esther and the righteousness of Mordecai. If you study this, uh, that story, and when you read, and so I said, oh, I see you say, uh, you got, oh, you got the pages. So you must've gotten the book before I took it down. Was that you, Shelly? Yes. You got page I numbers in here. Okay, so you got, okay, so you got the original copy. So you, okay, okay. Yes. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Okay, so you know, I I took a story to help myself first of all understand that really race is the construct for that that we hid behind as a nation, 
as a world system um, uh, during the, uh, the, the inception and the onset of chattel slavery, American slavery, to help uh, our founding fathers or our forefathers maintain that power and control. But see, it happens, it's still happening. It happens all over the place. It, so we have to learn how not to look at uh, certain things that's been uh, constructed I mean, because we could do, we could say the same thing about uh, our our American uh, currency. Our dollars and our cents is a is is a is a uh, economic construct that we as man created. Well, so is race. We create. Well, how did we create it? We created it as a system of 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 bartering to to maintain control of what resources and power and mm -hmm. who gets it. Who gets to govern it? Who gets to control it? Who gets to trade it? It's no different. But unfortunately, when it comes to race, we hurt way too many bodies. We hurt ourselves as living beings, as brothers and sisters in humanity when we chose to use one another as an economic construct, as a social construct. It didn't hurt objects when we created money, which is an object that can't feel, that can't voice. But it did something when we, when we took that same const construct and we tied it to, a hu to human life, to the value of human life. But, but what it boils down to is power, like I said before. And yes, it definitely contributed to um, post-traumatic slave syndrome, the, the, the trauma that you see. And um, I want to encourage, while I'm um, thinking about it right now, I want to encourage everyone to go to our uh, Facebook page. Um, whoever listens to this podcast, go to our Facebook page, um, uh, the Mel Melanation um, Healing Project. Now, the Women's Healing Project, because we're starting with Black women, but we're not ending with Black women. When we look at the numbers, we see that there's definitely an immediate need for our sisters to show up better. Not only when it um, when you look at American statistics, you see that uh, that in the African American community we lead majority of the household, but there's a lot of health disparities out there that hinders us from showing up better. And it comes out in our parenting. It comes out in our health. It comes out in in, in how we show up in the workplace. So um, so that's just a side note. But in the meantime go to um, the Melanation Healing Project um, uh, Facebook page, and then uh, you'll see there's a video that a beautiful, sweet um, uh, friend that I, I, I'm having, I'm starting uh, to have a growing relationship with, and I genuinely honor her because she's also played a part in my healing journey. I believe in honoring people who help me help myself. Okay, and her name is Devonna Smith. Hopefully she's okay with me saying that, but she did um, a, uh, she she spoke to our audience, and we have we have the um, the video up there on our Facebook page. And she uh, she focuses on um, cultural trauma, and she focuses on how um, how it impacts how we show up in this world, you know. And it's an excellent excellent um, um, discussion that uh, that we have with her. And I just want to encourage everybody to listen to that. I mean, she took a lot of time in diving into and dissecting our specific type of trauma. And, um, and uh, 
helping, uh, showing us different ways that we can come up out of that, you know? So um, I hope it, um, it, it's, I hope I'm not talking in circles, but I hope I answered your question, Deja, also. Yes, you did. Thank you so much. So an expert from your book on page 88 says, being a good steward of, of the positions we occupy and resources connected to it is a matter of ethics, moral principles that govern our right and wrong. When we live by a set of moral principles that guides our consciousness and behaviors, we become better equipped to relate and connect with the environment around us. When a person is able to do this in a healthy way, they cause others to grow and flourish in their respective duties. So for our people who have suffered generational oppression and abuse, how can we guide ourselves back to moral principles and behaviors that will enable us to show up better for our families and our communities? Oh, that's a deep one. I need to hear this. That's a good question. Because I think it goes back to, I think, Shelly or um, Alicia, you one of you guys mentioned earlier about how do you recognize when you are part of the problem or something like that? How do you get to that step? Um, because another reason why I wrote this book is for us to recognize our positions that we are in. Yes. Every single one of us is in a position of, um, of power or we may not have power, but we may have influence of people who are connected to that. Or mm. we may have uh, or, uh, uh, some form of resource, whether it be spiritual. Some people don't have you know, monetary, monetary gains or wealth, but they definitely have spiritual resources. I can tell you so many stories that I've read about of some of the most influential and powerful people going deep down to the farthest of, 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 a, of a country or a city in a quiet place into no man's land to find healing or rest for their souls. That lets you know right there that we may not always carry power and influence or uh, uh, um, occupy that position, but we can still be resourceful. And to, so to answer your question and to kind of uh, kind of attach it to, to um, what Shelly or Alicia has said earlier about recognizing yourself, um, I think that's, it, it's gonna, that's the, that's the piece that we're gonna have to figure out how to recognize where you are right now. You know, that is what's going to guide us back to um, uh, moral uh, and ethic, uh, ethical principles and behavior. Um, because it, it takes morals and having morals and ethical principles to be able to maintain um, and govern properly uh, uh, power and influence and resources. You know, our history, our forefathers chose to create a social construct to control it so they can preserve power and, and, and resources. Yes. But we see from history that that hurts us. We are still carrying the weight and the damage of it. Yes. So we've got to figure out another way. And the only thing I can think of is being better stewards of it having some morals and ethics, mainly talking to the people who are in positions of power and resources because they are the ones 
who 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 uh pretty much determines which direction a country or a nation or systems or society i mean it, it works on all levels power is power it works on all levels even a pa parent is in a power um position over their children yeah a teacher is in a power position over their students and i don't know if it's human nature i don't know what it is but the trend seems to be the more power and influence the more uh, 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 problems and and um you know temptations so you need people in your life that will give you wise counsel so that you can continue in to maintain your integrity in the midst of holding such yes. a powerful position yes mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what the book <laughs> that's what the book is about you guys that's what the book is about. And, and um, I really believe that I was spirit led to write that book in my yeah. opinion, because it, 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 I, it was, I was actually in the middle of writing another book. I was in the middle of writing a whole totally different book, but because of everything that had transpired um, in 2020, oh my goodness, it was just too much going on. And then uh, once again, the death of my mother, yes, a lot of things is attached because that was just a that was a traumatic event for me and this writing and and uh and uh starting melanation and working and serving the community that's how i've been able to achieve my healing and just sitting down talking to people just being honest about where i am and where i'm trying to go and where i've been i know that's uh, that's what where this book was birthed and then i just realized race is just race and then our history of, of of slavery and all that stuff that's that's just the that you know that that's a cover-up for the truth of what we want to conceal we want to conceal the power and yeah. the resources and the influence mm -hmm. that's what we want to do mm -hmm. and i think oh. that's that excerpt was the it, it I, I remember reading it and I got chills when I read that part because that part right there set the tone for your intentions. Um, and when I read it, I immediately thought, you know, for anybody that um, that goes through moments of having judgmental thoughts about how someone is carrying themselves or how they're treating you, sometimes I think we forget that um, we're judging people's actions, but we're not really realizing that they have a different um, life that's taught them a, a different way of being moral or. Um, or, uh, you know, their, maybe their life has showed them that, you know, people that they love or love them, you know, talk to them a certain way or treat them a certain way. And that statement was so powerful because it was basically saying like, you know, um, if you don't go through the process of unlearning, you know, to realize, you know, what, what feels good, you know, what doesn't feel good, not necessarily uh, expecting people to have the same logic as you, but what's kind, you know, kind creates a feeling, mm. you know? Absolutely. And I, it was so powerful. And I, I just wanted to, to say that because I remember having chills when I read that part. Mm. So Tay, as the founder of the Melanation Healing Project, how would you describe the journey of healing? <laughs> <laughs> like Shelly said, it's been a lot of unlearning. It's been a lot of unlearning. It's been, um, there's been moments of, of, uh, rest 
Mm-hmm. And then there's been moments. And it's so interesting because this is what I'm realizing on my journey. And then, and, and you know, uh, for anyone who don't know, I'm just putting it out there. Our healing sessions, our cohorts um, consist of nine weeks of healing sessions. And no, no, I do not pose myself as the leader or, um, you know, um, someone who is, who knows everything. I am simply a person who is in need of the same thing that you are. And, but I'm committed Mm. to creating the space for all of us. I'm just committed to creating the space and inviting anyone who feels like they're ready. Like you said, Alicia, when that, once you recognize that you need healing from past trauma, Mm. generational trauma, transgenerational trauma, cultural traumas. Once you recognize I'm showing up, listen, I can't change the past, but I, all I know is that I'm showing up horrible because of it. Wow. Because of my past, because of how the systems are, 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 are shaped because of our cultural history, because of what mama and and daddy taught me, I'm showing up in a way that is less than who I was called to be. Come on now. Come How on now. How do I move forward in a better way for myself and for the generations that's coming after me? Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I have to put that out there because listen, what you're not going to do is try to, oh, you know what I'm saying? Catch me mm-hmm. on an off day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I'm still, I, I'm on the same healing journey everyone else is on. What we can mm-hmm. do is provide resources to one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Support, support yes so and, yeah one and thing yeah go ahead you know oh i'm sorry <laughs> no go ahead you were like in the middle that's so big you know it's easy it's easy to support somebody when you when you click it's easy to support you when your mindsets are like that's easy but when when you go through those times where it's indifferent or those times where it can even be offensive or maybe a mistake stuff, like that is important, being able to, to support and have the unconditional space. And that's what she's mm-hmm. created. You know what I mean? It's just having that space that, hey, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not know. It's okay to make a mistake. You know, if, if, if the intention is to, to always show up, like she's, she's been saying, to show up better, to learn from it, you know, to, to, pretty much just go through the, the the healing journey then by all means you know you're gonna make mistakes but it doesn't mean you don't need support or love or you know a circle that can work with you through that because we're all we, I'm, it's pretty much taking turns who gonna be wrong today you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was thinking to um well one thing it was a couple things that like popped out as people were talking I should have wrote them down but it's like, I can't wait until men join this mm-hmm. conversation because it yeah. is so needed. You know, I see, I have a son yeah. and just thinking about, you know, I'm constantly telling him like, you're, it's okay for you to express your emotions. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you to grow up and start dating somebody and you can't express yourself because that's not what a man is supposed to do. So that's, that's point one. That's point right. two um, that I was kind of, or something that popped out to me was just because you are in a position of power um, and resources doesn't mean that you are completely healed. Oh, Some of y'all got to do the work too. You could be up here talking about, oh, I'm for the people and this is and that. And your heart is completely wrong because you're so self-righteous. And that's not cool either. So you got to work on some healing too. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another point 
that I was kind of that popped out was know your heart you know mm. um is yeah. is hard work is not pretty to confront yourself mm. and mm-hmm. acknowledging you know I wasn't right in this situation I didn't help this situation mm-hmm. no knowing your heart when you speak to people where yeah. when I speak to people the words that I say where is that coming from am I really trying to help them or do I is there something that is in me that I haven't addressed and they're triggering it Ooh, like that's, wow that's something wow. real so like know know your heart when you speak and I, I'm speaking from personal experience because I know yeah. people <laughs> well like um you know not say things to me and it's more specifically like I know you but I don't know you like we don't have a relationship like that and so I <laughs> either conversations or posts that I've seen and it's like you don't say anything else to me except when it relates to a certain topic and then I feel like where is this coming from uh you're not positive in any other way mm-hmm. it's just kind of it's shade but you're mm-hmm. not trying to come out and say it and I'm like you're an adult use your words mm-hmm. or message <laughs> me separately if you don't want to try to put anybody out like that's how I'm also very confrontational so <laughs> yeah I realized that that about myself too listen I'm very confident we gonna, when you're on this healing gonna, journey yeah we're gonna deal with I'm this right now balance. like yeah <laughs> like we're gonna deal with this right now we're not about to no be real listen yes, to this. yes just so I am I am and we'll, I know we'll deal with how it comes yeah. out later yeah I'm like, you know what I'm, I'm working on my words no, and, no, no, no. <laughs> but I also know that we're going to deal with this like we're not going that's to that's right around. um just be real but also like I said just just knowing your heart and kind of like why is this person why why is this person upsetting me or why do I feel like I have to approach this person in this way mm-hmm. and you can you can have all the money and still be rotten inside so all Ooh, of that wow. means okay nothing you could just be a um you know, a glazed rotten apple. And you mm. know what, Alicia, to that point, I feel like I run into more people like that than, than not. I feel like I run into more successful people who monetarily and, you know, like professional wise and things like that, they got it going on successful in this or that area. But I, I don't know if it's because I'm on my own healing journey. It's like, I see through the success. I see through the exterior success, you're hurting just like me. Yeah. You know, so why pose yourself as a superior? You know, but then not only that, society teaches that to us. At least I I feel like Americans, uh, you know, um, our American society, I feel like we teach one another, uh, uh, our people, that the value is in how much monetary um, uh, 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 success that you can obtain, how many degrees can you? It. how many yeah. people how many connections can you make that yes. are okay? because at the end of the day the power the influence and the access to resources is not what makes you mm. it is it's- simply a tool to help one another it's a tool and I and I put that in my book that it's a tool but we let power and resources in the access that that we have to certain resources we let that define us as a human being as a man or as a woman and so we treat people based according to we value them according to how much or how little of that they have Mm. you know what I'm saying and I I like how 
you ladies are emphasizing the 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 the, the self. Yeah. And, and and see, and with melanation, with as we are growing and as we continue to grow, because one element of healing is that trust. It's hard to open up and be vulnerable with the group you don't know. So that's why it takes not. And honestly, it was supposed to be longer than nine weeks. And Alicia is the one convinced me, like, listen, you need to condense that down to nine weeks, sis. Ain't nobody going to show up for 12 whole weeks. <laughs> and so but in essence, it, it, it takes that much time to develop a, a trust. So if I trust you, then I trust what you tell me, even if it's something I don't wanna hear. Uh, I trust that you, and so in mm -hmm. the collective, in the group, in each cohort, not only are we dealing with our history, we're dealing with our own personal um, issues about how we're, we're perpetuating the cycle of racism and things like that, but we are also building a system of, tr of trust amongst one another to, to, to the point where you can at least, when you see my blind spots, I trust that not only will you point it out, but that you're accurate, that you're spot on. Cause yes. we're on the same journey. We have the same intentions and we want the same outcome. I know that's right. I know real quick, that trust part. I wonder too, and if we can like, have a quick discussion, like mm -hmm. how, you say like, you know, trusting other people, but like, do we even trust ourselves Ooh, in that moment yeah. to be now vulnerable listen. with other people? Jeez. <laughs> <What's like that? laughs> why you gotta throw out, why you gotta throw that out there, making it look now. Because that was on my let heart. Maybe it's the Lord speaking right now. But oh, let, is... me, let me rethink what I said. <laughs> yeah, honey. Oh, oh, she ain't have to do it. I don't like know, that. Alicia. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> oh, wow. That is, that's powerful. Do I trust myself? I, I have to sit here and think about that. Do I truly trust myself? Mm. Oh, I. You know what? I can I, let me start. Let me start. Let me let me warm y'all up real quick. I got a, a, a I got a moment of um what they call a reflection moment. Um, I believe at this point in my life, um, I'm trusting myself um more on uh what we what I call ego, um what I know uh facts you know um it's almost like that self-righteousness that you or what it is uh that you were talking about alicia i think a lot of the times that it, when i am trusting myself i'm trusting myself based on the fact that i'm telling myself i know something that does anybody else have that uh experience at all absolutely we're kind of now that was listen i got i had a little bit of time to think about the curveball alicia just threw at everybody <laughs> okay see Okay, so <laughs> Shelly, to answer mm -hmm. your, to, and, and it goes along with the question you just, you just said too. Yes, I have those same struggles. And Alicia, when it comes to trusting self, especially if you are a broken or damaged or traumatized person, that's not the smartest thing to do to trust yourself. There mm -hmm. is a model that I use that goes along with the, the, um, um, the melanation um, healing, the nine week sessions. And it is the Johari model. And it is, mm -hmm. it, 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 mm -hmm. um, it aids in self-awareness. And, and it, um, it, and the theory is that basically you need more than self in order for you to get to know thine self. Ah, wow. Yes. So there are four <laughs> quadrants. There's four quadrants that is, um, one of them is, and, and they represent parts of you. 
There one one quad, quadrant represents things that you know about yourself that don't nobody else know about you. Your little your little deep dark secrets. Mm-hmm. Another quadrant is things that other people see and they recognize how you keep showing up, the patterns, the habits. And those are often things that we don't recognize about ourselves. And so I need people that I trust to show me, excuse me, show me those blind spots. We talk about uh, a lot in Melanation in our healing sessions. And so that's, so I had to think about what you said for a little bit, Alicia, cause it's like, yeah, first of all, I got to know myself first. And, but at the same time, when I think about trauma, when I mm. think about trauma, you need a healthy system in place. And so honestly, I would even recommend, and I do recommend at the beginning um, uh, of our groups, and I, we have an online group as well. Um, I let people know that, you know, our healing sessions is not to replace therapy. Yeah, and that's and I also want to recommend and encourage people to uh, you know, go seek therapy for their unresolved issues, in addition to the healing that we provide and the healing spaces that we provide um, to one another. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I, I hope I answered your question, Alicia and Dyshell. Um, listen, Shelly, yes, I have to be, if I'm honest, yes, ego always gets in the way. Gets in the way. But yeah. I thank God that, that I am now coming into a a group of people who genuinely care about my healing that and that I have grown to trust enough. I may trust them in one area and not another. I mean, yeah. I mean there's different, it's, it's levels to these things. It's levels to trust. You know, there are Trusting certain- people themselves, yeah. you know? Yeah, so there are people that I've grown to tr- trust. I really quickly, I don't know how much time we have because I don't see it, but really quickly, I want to let you guys know a story that I listened to just recently. And it was about a woman- who became a multimillionaire off of a book that she wrote. And she was the number one, she, she was number one best-selling author for over a year. And then she stayed on like the top five best-selling authors list for an additional year or so. And oh, wow. lost everything. Not only did she lose everything, her life went spiraling out of, you know, uh, out of control. She in, ended up into an abusive relationship, but didn't recognize it was it was abusive because he didn't physically hurt her, but he attacked her every single day verbally and emotionally, mm-hmm. psychologically. And so she she lost every single penny that she she earned from that best selling book. And 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 so basically, her daughter found her hiding somewhere in someone's uh, 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 in a space or whatever. Um, and her, to make a long story short, she, she said, I, the woman said, I don't know, told her daughter, I don't know how to help myself. Cause her daughter said, what are you doing here? Why don't you get, you know, get up off your feet. You don't deserve this treatment. You could do better. She said, I don't know how to help myself. And her daughter, mm. said, her daughter had to remind her who she was. She said, you have helped millions of women. What do you mean? You don't know how to help yourself. And she said wow. she spent her whole life being a heal- healer, not recognizing that she was the one needing healing also. Hmm. Ooh, this is something, and I'm going to leave you guys with this that's been heavy on my heart ever since I heard this story. Her daughter said, let me help you help yourself. Hmm. Yes. Let me help wow. you. We need those kind of people in our lives. Every single one of us need those because the human... The, our, we are fragile in our being. Mm-mm. We're powerful in some aspects, but when it comes to the human mind and the human heart and the human soul, 
I really believe that, you know, that, that passage that says we are, um, we are treasures in earthen vessels. Mm. Vessels that can easily give it the right, given the right condition, vessels that can easily break. And we need one another. She, in that moment, she needed her daughter to teach her how to help herself. A woman who has spent decades helping other women. Mm. And I'll leave Mm. you guys with that. That is who we are supposed to be for one another. Yes. Oh, that's something big to leave us with. Yeah, that is that is powerful. That's real. I mean, yeah, that's that's real. And you definitely like answered my question. I think that question I had like that goes into what Shelly said, and just talking about like how we do we need each other. We need each other to show up for each other, um, and just to be able to trust and like said trusting ourselves enough to be vulnerable. Like you know someone's trying to help me I know it's coming from a good place I'm not going to take this personally maybe it's something I didn't notice that I was doing and it it was normal to me yeah Mm -hmm. but it wasn't healthy for me yeah Mm -hmm. so true so we talked about uh, we talked a lot about the Melanation Healing Project so my next question is how can someone join the Melanation Healing Project like how can we get started on our healing journey well, Alicia, you know this, that Shelly, you know how, and I, um, you just simply go to our Facebook page, um, the Melanation Women's Healing Project. And I want to echo what Alicia said earlier. Yes, I do also desire and, and hope to bring this in and expand it to men because it's not just us who need it. It's not just, Af- to me, it's not just Black people who need it. We're, everybody's yeah. hurting. And, but, but everybody's path to their own kind of healing is different. And I hope sometime in the near future that we can provide and create healing spaces for anyone who needs it. Yeah, humanity. Um, yeah, but for in the meantime, our Women's Healing Project, um, just go to the, the Melanation Women's Healing Project um, on Facebook, or you can um, email me at melanationhealingproject at gmail.com um, and just say, hey, I want to be a part of the um, the program, and then I, well, we can just converse from there. And you can also follow us on all of our social media um, platforms. Uh, Shelly, you know them better than I do. What are they? Um, on Instagram, it's um, the Melanation, I'm sorry, not the, but Melanation Healing Project. So that's on Instagram, aka IG. And then on Twitter, it's Melanation Heal. So those are the, um, the, the other um, social accounts that you can follow. Um, you know, to, to be um, updated and um, hopefully have a, a space of support. Oh, and then one more thing. Um, um, as we are growing, you know, and enough people phase out of phase one healing, there's four phases. Phase two is um, the mentorship part where people from phase one graduate into being the healing, but they still continue their own personal healing work. So um, our first cohort will be starting sometime in the fall for the phase two healing for those who feel like they're ready for, to, you know, to be the healing that they have received. Um, so I just want to put that out there. All righty. Thank you so much. Being that your experience is connected to healing and mental health, what other changes do you feel are necessary to help foster and rebuild our connectedness, healing and reconciliation as a community? You know, I'm not even going to lie. I feel like Alicia can answer this better than I can. Because um, like I said, you know, I am still new to the journey and I don't mind saying that. Um, she's a little bit more connected and been in the game. And she, you know, her hands have been a little bit more dirty for longer than mine. Um, 
what would you say to that, Alicia? Um, let's see. I would definitely say, I mean, we, we have to seek therapy and counsel. I also think um, like immediate things that people can do, because I know sometimes the therapy is not accessible to everyone. Um, so just getting out of your comfort zone, actually, and finding other people um, to support you. Sometimes your circle is not the people that you need to grow and heal. So it may take a little bit of discomfort in order for you to, to grow. Um, there are lots of, um, you know, pages on social media. One that immediately comes to mind is Therapy for Black Girls. It's a podcast mm -hmm. also. Um, they have like resources. Um, I think, I'm trying to think of some other ones that come up. If you just like hashtag like Therapy Black Women on Instagram, yeah. there is so much that will come up um, for you. Um, reading. So there's like the book of Forgiven by Desmond Tutu. Uh, the Body Keeps the Score. Mm, I'm trying to think of other books. Um, I'm trying to think because I have like a whole bunch of books that are just kind of sitting there. The Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Um, and go to your library if you like, if, if you know they're not financially or economically feasible at this time. Um, you can definitely like, go to the library and, and pick up a couple of books. Um, so, that. yeah, so just immediate you know free things that you can do kind of in the meantime um it does take I'll say evaluating your circle is probably a little scary for people um because it was being sometimes like you don't like I said if you're in a circle you really don't know so just kind of um you know journaling is is a good way to kind of do that so just like think about the people who are around you um how they contribute to your life, how you contribute to their life, what investments, like how, how you view love. So there are like small things that you can do um, to kind of start that journey. And can I add um, on a community level, if there happens to, to be someone who listens to this podcast and who, who is a stakeholder in the community, because a lot of times the change is either in the numbers of the people or it's in those who hold the power and resources and have and have access to resources and the influence. And so I just want to continue to compel those on those people who are in bigger and more influential um, positions than the least of these. Yes. To challenge yourself to do more with what you have. Mm -hmm. Thank you, ladies, so much. What are some takeaways for our listeners that we can highlight in helping to bringing healing to our local communities? Shelly, you want to go? Um, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know if you were going to go, sis, but um, self-awareness, I think, is, is absolutely important. Um, for me right now in my life, the most important resource is, has been just... Um, spiritually having those rough conversations um, or what I call shadow work. Um, and uh, when I do have uh, time on my social media, I've made sure that the things that I'm seeing are um, not only just positive, but um, thought in inflicting um, things that uh, make me reflect. Um, I try to uh, utilize my time in a way that, you know, I'm, I'm being surrounded by different mindsets. I think it's important to have people that think differently um, around you. Um, so you're exposed to different 
ways of thinking, different morales or different, you know, so you can kind of get an idea of maybe some things that may, you could work on or, um, or be a support system for someone else that might need to work on something for themselves. So that, that's pretty much my, um, I mean, it's been so many amazing things said. I, there's so many takeaways. I, I cannot wait to listen to this again, honestly. Me either. This was a great conversation, I think. Very needed too. Yeah. Yeah. So because our discussions can be quite heavy, we want to end on a lighter note in energy by starting with you, Tay. We are going to talk about <laughs> our favorite dessert. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah, wow. what's your favorite dessert and why? Starting with you, Tay. Not gonna lie, I'm not really a dessert person to me. What? Yeah, my dessert is having a second helping of whatever I had for dinner. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, like if I would do dessert, it would probably, you know what I mean? Like just, I don't like stuff too sweet. It's like a bowl of cereal after dinner might be, that's what I would consider dessert. But I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't tend to go towards that. I'm sorry. I, I, can I just do my, I, I yeah. Well, I what's your favorite cereal? Um, Listen, I don't have a favorite cereal <laughs> either because I'm really not a cereal what? person either. If I do cereal, <laughs> look, okay. So if I do cereal, <laughs> If I do cereal, it will be after an after dinner as a snack. If it, if I choose, if I would choose, okay, let's say it would be Kellogg's with the ones with the um the Kellogg's uh, special K with the dark chocolate chips in it. Ooh, that's a really good dessert. That's fancy. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> okay. For me, I'm gonna say cheesecake. I Ooh. I love um cheesecake and um my mother um she used to make me cheesecakes for my birthday she'll make it every holiday for me because I I love them so even now um I when I make a cheesecake or uh, when I have a birthday one of my good friends she always has her husband who makes amazing cheesecakes make me one for my birthday because it's kind of like um just my my connecting point with my mother um who's no longer here so uh that that's definitely my favorite dessert and it's you know, that's why, because it, it reminds me of my mom. Oh, that's my son's yeah. favorite. He loves cheesecake. <laughs> uh, so mine came by accident and I all like, I love Thanksgiving because of it. So I like to, you know, mix up things. Like I know some people don't like their food to touch and I'm like, make it touch. I don't care. Just pile everything on. <laughs> <laughs> like it's going to the same place. It doesn't matter. Uh, so... <laughs> One Thanksgiving, I was like, ooh, I got pound cake and I got sweet potato pie and I like mixed it. Like I ate them together and it was really? the best thing. Like I don't like sweet potato pound cake. Like they have to be separate. Um, they have to be separate because like you have the crust from the sweet potato pie and then you have the pound cake and it just, it is so good. Like, I never, you about to tie me trying stuff. <laughs> Okay, listen, I'm like, next holiday, I'm like, so give me a slice of this and a slice of this, and I'm just about to mix it and see how it tastes. <laughs> now, I want a good. <laughs> now I want cereal. What about you, Deja? Don't skip over yourself. What, what, what's your favorite? My favorite dessert has to be apple pie a la mode. Ooh, it has fun. to be... I, I know I said Tay was fancy. I'm a little fancy over here myself. 
<laughs> like I have to have the apple pie with the ice cream with the whipped cream and the caramel drink. like it's a lot but cool. I have to have it it's the best thing that sounds, ever that's so good that, that is so good oh my gosh hungry <laughs> I know I'm like, <laughs> or peach cobbler with ice cream like whipped cream oh, is cool but oh. peach cobbler with ice cream but it gotta peach be like hot so you can't have it just sitting there you gotta warm it up you know it has to be warmed up you gotta have the vanilla ice cream uh mm-hmm. yes Ooh, honey y'all just taking me to church with dessert <laughs> so I want to thank our host and our founders Tay for sharing her amazing energy and experience with us I would like to ask what's next for you, Tay, and how our listeners can follow you on social media. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm, and I wasn't paying attention. What's next for me? Okay, so Deja, I am going to continue working on cultivating and growing um, the Melanation Healing Project because so many of us are uh, um, walking wounded and so many mm-hmm. of us um just needed um not just myself so i'm just going to continue cultivating um the the you know the the project the um and um making my intentions known and whoever is ready for um to uh to to come with us on that journey we're going to create the space for them to do that so that's that's my most immediate thing that i am working on so, um, and in the meantime, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Good, because I am too. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And then just in the meantime, when my book gets uh, uh, re uploaded, um, then just look out for that. Um, you can, you know, follow me, like I said earlier, um, on uh, Instagram, Twitter at Melanation Healing Project. And of course, you can email me. Um, it doesn't have to just be about the, the cohort group. If you have any other inquiries, you can just email me at melanationhealingproject at gmail.com. Um, we are growing. We are expanding. We will not just be in Toledo um, uh, because there are other people who want the, space, they want the space. They want the space to be created. And so that's what we're going to give them. So Toledo is yes. not the only place that needs the healing. So I'm really excited about things that's coming uh, forward. And um, that's it. I'm excited as well. So I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for their support and feedback. You can listen to our podcast on all major podcast outlets, including iTunes, Anchor, and Spotify. Email us what you would like to discuss at melanationhealingproject at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Melanation Healing Project and on Twitter at Melanation Heal. For more information on Toledo Moms for Social Justice, you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Toledo Moms for Social Justice. You can stay tuned with Black Radical Scholars on Facebook and Instagram at Black underscore Radical underscore Scholars. Have an amazing and peaceful day, my loves. Bye.